Well, hello, everyone, and good morning to another edition of Livestream Sunday School for Akron Alliance Fellowship Church in Akron, Ohio. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name is Melvin Gaines. We are getting ready to get started with Sunday School, but first, to allow others to jump in with us and join us, we have music from Torin Wells, All My Hope. It's being done live. So... Thank you for being here this morning while we enjoy the music. Amen. And by the way, it's not 8.30 in the morning, it's 9.30. <laughs> Amen. Daylight savings time returns. And some of us will feel it later. The great thing about doing live stream Sunday school is that if people miss us, they can still find us online later on. So that's the good thing about it, too. Amen. And thank you for the audiences here as well, too. They turned their clocks forward. Good morning, Brother Roscoe. <laughs> I'm trying to remember this happened last year. I can't remember. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Amen. Torn Wells. Amen. Hey, Ronnie, good morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Good morning, good morning. important that we continue to pray for people to have changed lives in Jesus. The need is great. The harvest is plenty. Good morning, Mr. Gaines and Delia. Thank you for joining me this morning. Happy Sunday morning. Amen. 
I won't check the weather in Fort Lauderdale right now. I'll just be disappointing. <laughs> disappointing. That's what it would be. Amen. Morning, Liz. I, I fully expect you to be online today. <laughs> and that, I don't know what to see. I'm trying to remember what happened last year around this time. I don't. We weren't in here, that's true. We were doing it from home. You're right. You're right. Last year was a different experience. If you went to Sunday school last year, it was at home. Yeah, you're right. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We appreciate you being here. Anybody been washed Hope you got your coffee. Good morning. Amen. Amen. That is it. That was uh, All My Hope. Uh, that was a live version of All My Hope by Torin Wells. Great music uh, to start our Sunday morning. Uh, Sunday, the 12th of March. Amazing. Uh, time flies when you're having fun, like we said earlier. We appreciate you being here this morning. And we are here to have fun, but we're also here to get into the Word and <clears throat> get into what uh, the Word says to us. So we will be doing that, uh, and we're going to follow up with uh, after the announcements, brief announcements. Um, first of all, for those of you who are looking for content, we're always going to have content on our Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page. That's where the content will be streamed from. And uh, today, uh, as no exception, we have a message that will be available online uh, immediately following Sunday school here. Uh, Are you a character actor is the title of the message. It will be available here on the Akron Alliance Fellowship Facebook page timeline for those of you who are not able to come to our church or happen to miss our live feed uh, from church here. That will be available for everyone else, and it will... um, uh, it's a very interesting message, honestly, uh, and we, we have to make sure that we are always looking to be authentic in our walk in faith, and that's what's going to be kind of covered in the message today. Are you a character actor is the question, and that will be also the live message here in the church in Akron today as well, too. For those of you in the Akron area, come on down. <clears throat> um, the weather is what it is. 
<laughs> it's not uh, we're not we're not going through a bunch of snow. Have you seen the weather in California? The weather in California is one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. Um, it is absolutely incredibly um, off the charts. And so we're, we're getting by pretty nicely right now with with flurries and, and cold. Yeah. They're getting what? 13 inches of rain in California and and 100 plus inches of snow, depending upon where you are. That's crazy. I mean, that's just crazy stuff, right? So, um, and and all I know is that I said all of that to say it's not really bad at all here. <laughs> come to church and and come and join us in fellowship. And in fact, the youth is going, are going to be performing as well too. Uh, from a musical standpoint, so we appreciate you coming out in, if you're in Akron. Please remember your tithes and offerings. Um, I, I thought about this this morning. You know, every night, I always mention this, if we were mentioning about tithes and offerings ever since we started Livestream Sunday School back in 2020. And we mention it because uh, people weren't coming to church at the time, and we, and we were making sure that people were still continuing to think about doing the worship through giving, and we are still going to keep mentioning that because we don't want to make any assumptions. We want to make sure that people who are not here with us can also give uh, to our church as well, too. Um, and we are doing so. You know, we won't need money when we go to heaven. Amen. But until that time we go, <laughs> we need to have money to operate the church and take care of business here. Uh, please mail your tithes and offerings if you are uh, interested in mailing them to Akron Alliance Fellowship. 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. We appreciate the consideration. We want you to always consider giving um, in that manner because there is a benevolent factor where if someone is in need, we want to be able to help them if that, in, in fact, does occur. So we appreciate you giving consideration to that as well, too, and we thank you for that. And with that in mind, we are now ready to get into Sunday school. Sunday school is going to be in the book of John, and we're continuing our study in the book of John, and we're going to be covering uh, chapter, chapter 9, verses 13 through 25. We actually are doing this study in John chapter 9 about the blind man who was healed by Jesus, and we're covering it in segments because we want to make sure that we're picking up on everything that is involved here. We can't rush through this study. We couldn't cover the entire chapter in one sitting here. So we're covering it in segments, but we're doing so because we want you to understand the, the dynamics of the communication taking place here with the religious leaders who are in conflict with Jesus. And it's interesting how if you really want to get an account of what the religious leaders were dealing with with Jesus, Jesus was firing right back at them. We don't necessarily see it here in John, but if you go in Matthew chapter 23, you get to see all kinds of communication um, about Jesus giving warnings against the religious uh, leaders and the Pharisees as well. He should warn the people about them because their intentions were hardly for their benefit. And we have to the lessons we learn from this. And I don't know if this is something that. I can't say for sure if this is something that God intended to do to make sure that we were aware of it or not, but we going to church in different churches in our different areas need to be mindful of anybody who elevates themselves over Jesus Christ. Plain and simple. That is not 
at all what should be being taught in churches. Anybody who's teaching more about the importance of what they're doing or programs or or things of that nature. Jesus Christ is what should be taught. And that should be always the foundational teaching at the end of the day. It's all about Jesus. It's all about people recognizing Jesus. When I go and visit the uh, people that I have Bible study with at the assisted living facility, I emphasize to them prayer and praying for those people that they know who do not know Jesus. That's the most important thing they can do. They can't get out of the facility. They can't leave where they're at. They have to pray for those people who come and visit them. And at the end of the day, that's what we all need to be doing. Pray for people that we know who do not know Jesus. And make sure that what is being taught in the churches always centers on Jesus Christ. The religious leaders had no intention of focusing on God because Jesus had not gone to the cross yet. But at the same time, they were denying the very Messiah that was in the word. So it was in their interest to try to prevent Jesus from being elevated. But they were realizing they were losing grip on that and it was too late. And we're going to see that here, even in this passage, we're going to see a lot of frustration. We're going to see a lot of going back and forth. The Pharisees just going back and forth and and messing and honestly just messing with this guy who's just being healed by Jesus, uh, who was blind from birth. And I'm just I'm going to slip those words in there because they're just messing with him. That's exactly what's taking place here. And they're trying to question him. And yet you're going to see some things in the blind man's testimony. So with that in mind, we're going to go ahead and get started with this lesson. And I thank, appreciate all of you being here, both those of you in person and online. We appreciate your dedication to just uh, prayerfully hearing the Spirit speak, not any words that I use. So let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer right now and get started. Father, indeed, we pray that your words are spoken, not my words. We pray, Lord, that you convey to us your truth through the power of the Spirit that you indeed give us what we need to have greater understanding. And Lord, we it's fascinating to me and perhaps even to others here that as we just stay in your word, we continue to learn more about you. You continue to teach us all the time. We don't have any misconceptions that we need to learn more, but Lord, we just thank you for your goodness in teaching us and giving us what we need at any given moment. Lord, we're reminded of the power of your word in all aspects of our lives. If we just trust in your word, listen to your word, be obedient to your word, Lord, we will do great things in the faith, in serving you, in testimonies before others. We thank you for how you indeed, we want to be a reflection of who you are wherever we go. Bless us and keep us now, Lord. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, everybody, turn your Bibles and electronic devices to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, we're going to look at verses 13 through 25. Not a long passage, but it's going to be we're picking up where we left off last week after Jesus had healed um, this blind man who was, uh, it was congenital blindness. He was born blind, and now he can see. And, of course, we'll, we'll look at the motivation of those who are in opposition that, for whatever reason, Jesus seemed to make it a point to do this healing, these healings, these different things on the Sabbath. And so that's going to be a bone of contention. And that's just another excuse for the Pharisees to try to act self-righteous and righteous in their 
reasoning for accusation of who Jesus is. Let's start with verse 13, John chapter 9, again from the New Living Translation. Then they took the man who had been blind, who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. Verse 15, the Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them he put the mud over my eyes and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs. So there was a deep division of opinion among them. Make a note of that, too. Verse 17. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who helped you? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. Verse 18. The Jewish leader still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in his parents Verse 19, they asked him, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? His parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He is old enough to speak for himself. Verse 22, his parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he is old enough. Ask him. Notice how it took three verses to make that point. We're going to circle back to that. Verse 24. So for the time, for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. Now, I'm going to mention something here as we go back over this passage. And I've mentioned in Matthew chapter 23 about the condemnation that Jesus had given to the Pharisees and the religious leaders because of their behavior. And you go back and look at that on your own. We don't have time to cover that today, but go back and look at that because you're going to see some things there that are even going to tie into today's message later on, too. One word that Jesus uses often is hypocrites. He also uses the word, you're blind. Now, that's a direct reference about blindness. And we're looking at the only person who was healed in Scripture who was blind from birth. And it was Jesus that had to do it. And it didn't matter to these Pharisees or religious leaders that this man who was blind from birth was being healed and now could actually see. They were so blind in their hatred, in their behaviors, in their reasoning. They didn't want to acknowledge that Jesus indeed healed this man. And the blind man was recognizing that these Pharisees just kept coming and asking him the same questions over and over again. But the blind man was now going to be maturing, even in his moment of healing, that he's going to recognize more and more about who this Jesus is. And the Pharisees were jealous, everyone. When people are jealous, when people have envy, when people, first of all, is sinful. Amen. The sinful behavior. And when you're jealous. 
you will do all kinds of things to try to make yourself in some way, shape, or form come out on top. If you think that somebody else is doing better than you or getting more attention than you, you, know, you, you might say that's schoolyard stuff and kid stuff. No, it's not. That stuff goes into adulthood. That stuff travels with you. If you are vindictive, if you're hostile, if you're jealous, you really, really do have a lot of sin in your heart. You've got hardened hearts, and these Pharisees are demonstrating their hardness. But yet, they're going to see that the healed man is going to continue to reveal who he believes he is. At first, he's going to say, hey, he's a, he's a prophet. He's not a sinner. He's from God. He's going to keep saying these things over and over again in this dialogue this week and as we continue in the study next week. But he's saying that Jesus is indeed the one who gave him the sight that he now has. And it's not just a human being. It's not just some guy who just showed up. And understand something, too. This man came from virtual obscurity, this blind man. He was a beggar. He didn't have anything going for himself. And now he's being thrust into the forefront of having the religious leaders. Because, you know, the religious leader under normal, normal circumstances, they would never have anything to do with this guy. They would never have anything to do with this man. Never. But now because of this healing, it's a lot different. The Pharisees were taking, if you go back and look at the passage again, let's go back to verse 13. Then they took the man who had been blind to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. Yeah, because it was on the Sabbath. Got it. The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he put the mud over my eyes and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. That was their, that was their statement. He is working on the Sabbath. Doesn't matter that the man was healed. Doesn't matter that the man was blind and now could see. It was all about the Sabbath thing. This is the way they tried to. This is what Jesus warned about in Matthew 23 about. They find these laws. They find ways to restrict people and what they're trying to do. They're not going to get to heaven themselves. I'm paraphrasing what it says in that chapter. But they'll keep other people out of heaven because of their foolishness. But how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous things as you go back to verse 16? Because some of the Pharisees, some of them were arguing amongst themselves. Because at some point you have to decide what I'm looking at here is not lining up with what the Pharisees are talking about. You know, this whole thing about the Sabbath, that's not an argument, really. And we already know that Jesus himself is the Sabbath. That's something that he declared himself. But when you look at something and you see evidence of something, after a while you have to say, you know what? Who are these guys I'm standing with? Who are these people that I'm associating with? Is it more important for them to be right in their own eyes and deny what they're looking at? Or is it more important to be on the side of truth and look at what really is happening here. 
Because we need to understand that not all of the Pharisees or not all of the Jewish leaders are going to be in lockstep. There are going to be some that are just going to get quiet. And the reason why they get quiet is exactly why the people down below, the parents of this blind person, are being quiet about it as well. Because there now is pressure that's being put on those people as well, too. Because they want to believe. Look at verse 17 once again. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? Now, do you really think they care about what this man's opinion is? Or maybe they're looking for a certain answer from him. But they're questioning a blind man. He's not a, he's not a religious person. He's hardly that. Why are you asking this guy? The man replied, I think he must be a prophet. Then verse 18, the Jewish leader still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. So they called his parents. Now, what you're looking at here psychologically, everybody, is desperation. Anybody who's standing there knows that this man had been blind from birth and now could see physically. And so now is desperation. These Pharisees know that they're losing a hold on their authority. They're losing a grip on their ability to keep control in their little area. Okay, and they're talking about refusing to believe he was blind. Now could see they didn't want to believe it. So they called in his parents. Now. You have to understand, too, and I, I want to cover this thing about the Sabbath thing, because that was an issue that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And I think he did that deliberately. I think that was a deliberate action to take, because I think that that was something that we needed to see the confrontation all about. And, of course, the Pharisees had made a long list of specific do's and don'ts regarding the Sabbath. Kneading the mud and healing the man were considered work and therefore was forbidden according to their do's and don'ts. And I think that Jesus deliberately, purposefully made the clay in order to emphasize his teaching about the Sabbath. And what was Jesus trying to teach here? It was right to care for others' needs, even if it involves working on a day of rest. Now, we can make a we can make a, uh, a statement about here we are. We're at church. We had to work, put on our clothes, get in our cars and come to church. Well, we could uh, a Pharisee would make an argument. Why are you doing that? That's work. Well, why do we come to church, everyone? We come to church to worship and praise our Lord Jesus Christ. It's not so much the building. It's the act of worship where we come and what we do. And we know that not everybody can come to church for different reasons. But it's important for us to understand that it's all about caring for others. It's all about praying for others. It's all about looking after each other. We get together once a week for more than just shaking hands. But we're praying with each other. We're talking to each other. We're encouraging each other. 
you know, when some of us were sick a couple of weeks ago, you know, we didn't want to go anywhere. Amen. We, we stayed home. We were we were not getting out. But once it was time to get out, it was time to get back out. It was time to get back out and have fellowship with everybody else. And that's why we do what we do. We do it because we're giving praise to our Lord and Savior and we're encouraging others who need it. Because as you know, not everybody who shows up for church on Sunday is in the best frame of mind. There are some people who are just not doing well for whatever reason. They may be they had a terrible week. Maybe some people got laid off from their jobs. Maybe some people are experiencing uh, hardship financially. Maybe some people are scuffling with their health. And some of us have scuffled with our health. But sometimes we just come back and say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. We can do what we can do. We might be on one hip. We might be on one leg. <laughs> we might be able to move. But the bottom line is that we have what we have because Jesus has given us what we need to be able to do what? Worship and praise him and encourage others as well, too. So. Let's talk about the parents. Go back to verse 19 again. They asked them, the parents, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? Now, what kind of a question is that, really? Let's think about that for a minute. I mean, I don't know what they're looking for, but it's, it's almost like desperation. I guess they want someone to come in and say, you got, you know what, you're right, guys. You know what, this thing shouldn't have happened on the Sabbath. Nothing, none of this should have been taking place. You know, they're asking these questions, and I don't know if they're trying to trap somebody. Like the parents here, the parents aren't going for it because they know that there is a very serious consequence to what's being said. They know what's going on. His parents reply, we know this is our son, that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see nor who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. Now, look at verse 22. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying who had announced everyone. This was already broadcast, had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said he is old enough. Ask him. Now, some of the Pharisees are also like those parents. Remember, when I said there was an argument between them. There was a division of opinion. They don't want to be expelled from the synagogue either. Being excommunicated, being thrown out of the synagogue is being ostracized out of society, according to how things worked back then. You know, some people don't really care about going to church and they don't care if they're in a church or not. But back then it was everything. It meant something. And so they don't want to be expelled from the synagogue. So. If they believed in Jesus, we don't really have a clear uh, statement here from them. They're putting it back on asking his son. He's old enough to speak for himself. He can speak for himself. You know, I'm not going to get into this. So there was a lot of pressure that was being put upon them. And the Pharisees are desperate. Those who keep asking these questions. There's an act of desperation. And we need to understand that. The man that they keep talking to is making a very simple testimony. 
And the Pharisees don't care that he was healed. They are ruthless and cold-blooded people. Nobody that you would want to be. But we've run into people like this on occasion. Ruthless and cold-blooded. People who don't really care about you. They care more about themselves. And they keep asking these questions and making statements like accusing Jesus of being a sinner, which is what we saw earlier. They were experts in arguing. Experts in arguing. Didn't matter that their argument was terrible, but experts in arguing. Everybody remember the statement in an empty cart makes a lot of noise. Yeah, that's these Pharisees. They are empty. There is nothing behind their arguments. They're making a lot of noise. The problem is, is that they have a lot of influence. So the people that they're communicating with, except for the blind man, which we're going to look at in one second. They're trying to make a premise that this man, this Jesus is a sinner. This Jesus couldn't possibly be who he says he is. They don't care that this blind man was healed. It's a false reasoning. And the premise is, is that they're basically making a logical statement. All people from God keep the Sabbath. Jesus does not keep the Sabbath, according to their reasoning. Therefore, Jesus is not from God. That's the logic they're trying to use to try to discredit Jesus. You have to understand, it's all about discrediting someone, everybody. Discredit. Here's a way to avoid being discredited if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Study his word, read his word, be obedient to his word, and stand on his word. They can discredit you all they want to, but at the end of the day, you're in the right place. We have to be conscious of the fact that when the temperature rises and when the heat gets turned up, we have to stand in the word. Put on the full armor of God. And stand firm. Use the sword of the word. Use a shield to deflect those attacks from Satan. What do you think Jesus did in Matthew chapter 4 when he was being tempted by Satan? He used the word. He stood on the word. And he stood firm in the word. So where Satan had no other way to go except to leave him. And that's exactly what we have to do when it comes to standing in the word. And this blind man, they're going to go back to him in verse 24. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Well, now they just lie. When you don't have an argument, when you don't have anything that you're going to say that's going to be helpful, you just lie. And remember, Satan knows scripture just like we're learning scripture, although Satan knows it a lot better than everybody else, I guess, honestly. Which is, you know, it's too bad, but that's true. Maybe he does. He knows. 
He knows exactly what it is. He knows that he's rebelled against God. But what he'll do sometimes for some of us who are not as strong in the word as we should be, he'll sometimes give scripture to us or people who want to justify doing something that's outside of what God's will is. Twist the words around. Can't let that happen. We have to remain faithful. And we have to, frankly, call out the lies. How prepared are you to stand on God's word? Call out the lies. There comes a point where we as believers, sometimes we keep quiet, but sometimes we need to speak up. When someone is deliberately sinning and when someone is outside of God's will, you know, you let the spirit intervene in those discussions, but sometimes you need to hear the truth. You're way off course. You're not following Jesus. Don't pretend. Oh, and don't pretend to follow Jesus and say you're following Jesus when you clearly are not. We have the right in the body of Christ to do exactly that. You've got to call out people who are living outside of God's will and maybe dragging people along with them. You have got to call these people out. More and more of our churches need to do this because we've had. Well, let's drop a couple of names. Southern Baptist Convention. We've got to call out people who are not living the right way. It damages the church. It damages people. The institutions, they're not going to last, but people are what we should be most concerned about. When people just lie outright and make statements that are false, they need to be called on it. And I've seen some of that in just bouncing around in different things I've read and seen where People who stand in the word need to speak up for the word and say what's being taught over here is blasphemous and is not something that people need to be following. I could I could preach a sermon on that, but we won't do that today because we're not preaching that. But I think everybody who's listening knows exactly what I'm saying. We've had people who have been quiet too long. In many areas when it comes to making sure that we're defending the faith and speaking up for it. The focus should always be on Jesus. But the Pharisees were so desperate. They're talking to a guy who has no real power. Other than what Jesus did for him. And in verse 25, it comes back and says, I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied. And that was a truthful statement. He had just met him. He didn't know who he was. But he believes in him. I know this. I was blind. And now I can see. Amen. And at the end of the day, that word blind and blindness can be tied to all of us who did not know Jesus. At that point in time of our lives, 
We were blind. We were spiritually blind. We were not capable of really understanding anything until the spirit had to speak to us about knowing that we needed to have a savior in our lives. But spiritual blindness will take you right to hell if you don't address it. It'll take you right to hell. If not for Jesus, if not for what he is doing. And the Pharisees were just connivers. They didn't really care uh, that this blind man could see anymore. They didn't really care about what was happening. They tried to find ways to discredit Jesus. But the blind man is making a testimony. Once I was blind, but now I can see. And he answered their questions. He answered every single one of their questions. And we're going to continue with this more next week as we look further into it. But we need to recognize that there are people who need to make more and more testimonies about the goodness of Jesus. need to hear those things. And this blind man is saying, I can see now. I'm not spiritually blind. I know what this man did for me. And we don't need to embellish our testimonies. We just need to say, hey, God has taken care of me. God has rescued me. God saved me. God has given me what I need to be able to proclaim his goodness. And I've mentioned before, too, the importance of something as simple as making sure that you're following your calling of Jesus. Wherever you're supposed to serve, we have people who are dedicated, like the Way Out Ministry, who goes to prisons. You know why they go to prisons? Because the, the harvest is plentiful in prisons for people who need to know about Jesus Christ. They need to hear about the goodness of Jesus. They're in prison. They know why they're in prison. And they know they have to do their time. But the most important thing for them is not doing their time. The most important thing for them is to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. That's how you change people. Prisons don't necessarily rehabilitate people. They don't necessarily help people to recognize, well, you know, if I, you know, when I go back out of prison, you know, they get back into crime or something like that. Right. And why not back in prison again? It's not the prisons that rehabilitate you. It's Jesus that rehabilitates us. It's the attitude that we have serving Jesus Christ. And that's true for all of us, too. Jesus was rehabilitating this blind man. He was giving him. What he needed to understand that I now have a purpose in life. I can see now. I can do things I never could do before. The illustration of this blind man is applicable for us because we know that without Jesus, where would we be? Where would we be without Jesus? Where would we be? Without his loving kindness, without his touch, 
without his healing, without his fellowship with us, where would we be? It would not be a very pleasant picture. So the Pharisees are going to make all kinds of accusations. They look a miracle right in the face. And they don't care. Jesus always talked about how people are always asking for signs and miracles. If you do this, we'll believe you. No, they won't. You're just talking smack. You're not doing anything. You won't believe anything. Lord, if you just do this, if you just do that. And Jesus just comes back like he told Satan. Worship the Lord your God only. Period. Looking for signs and wonders. We know what Jesus has done for us in our lifetime. But I love how the blind man says, I think he must be a prophet. I think he must be this person. He must be he must be somebody special. And we'll see as we continue the study next week. As the dialogue continues and then the blind man is going to have the encounter with Jesus and have a full understanding of who Jesus is at that point. But even now you're seeing the testimony and the importance of personal experience and testimony. The blind man can now see and now he can speak openly and freely about the goodness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for all that you're doing for us and all that you're teaching us. Lord, we indeed want to be always reminded of your goodness and how it's important for us to get together and fellowship, but not just fellowship, be prayerful for each other, be supportive of each other, think of each other. We need to come outside of ourselves, Lord, and think about others. Because, Lord, we, we learn over time that you indeed sacrificed for us. And we need to do the same thing for others as well, too. We thank you for those reminders and teachings. Lord, we thank you for the example of the blind man speaking truth. There might be people all around us, Lord, who just want to lie and not speak about what the truth is. But, Lord, may we always stand in your truth in our communication with others. And Lord, we do so in love. We're not doing so with any uh, anger or resentment. We're doing so in love. Correction in love is the way we're supposed to go. And some people would choose to listen and some people won't. But Lord, may we be a light before you, reflecting upon you, upon us, excuse me, before others. May we be that light before others. Thank you, Lord, for your teaching and your encouragement. Bless us and keep us now, Lord, as we continue to learn more about what you're telling us through the power of the Spirit. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for another edition of Livestream Sunday School. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you being here. Um, take this note to heart. Take a stand for the faith. Take a firm stand for the gospel. Don't compromise your, our faith. Don't compromise the way you feel. People are watching. Amen. You guys take care of yourselves. God bless you. Stay tuned online for the message today. Are you a character actor? 
We appreciate you being here. God bless, and we'll see you next time.